Michael Graham. Good afternoon to you. Uh, happy to be here. Thanks so much. Any excuse to talk to someone who doesn't want to talk about Donald Trump, I'm more happy to <laughs> see upon yeah, as I think an American we'll, Republican. Yeah, I think we'll make this a Trump-free uh, zone would be for great. today. Although uh, I, do have to, I do admit, though, he, it, confessing his man crush on Vladimir Putin is very interesting. I get a sense of Trump laying in bed at night stroking a photo of, of Vlad without his shirt on. As he's drifting off to sleep. It's very I, I, Friday. I kind of prefer not, not to think of that one. Um, <laughs> come here, um, a week out from Christmas, are you, are you getting into the, the holiday spirit? We're trying to. I tell you, it's, it's tough over here. It's just, there's, you know, when you, I mean, you have the terror attack in San Bernardino and you got the president stumbling around and you got the political screaming and yelling. And then it's also been a warm this year, which means we're going to get killed in January and February with super coldness. But for right now, nobody's in the, uh, I say nobody. It's it's been a very Christmas spirit free uh, couple of weeks here in the U.S. Okay, um, come here. You you have a view. You've strong views on this EU border force. Uh, story. Well, I, I think I think everybody who believes in having a country and who believes in you know nationalism and in viewing themselves as part of a unique national community should have strong views. And I know you guys are lucky because you're not in Schengen, so it doesn't you know directly impact you. But I mean, just I, I'm st- you're you know a ninth generation Greek. You've been you've had 500 elections because you keep throwing your governments out every 32 days, and then all of a sudden I don't know where come these guys in uniforms. They're not your uniforms. They're not asking for permission from your government. In fact, if your government says don't come. The troops say, yeah, sucks to be you. And then they're there anyway. I mean, it's just, I, I guess the, the, you guys have made the decision. You don't care about being Greek or French or Irish. You've really just decided that you're going to become this kind of squishy, nondescript European. That's what you're going to do. And there is no, I mean, is, is there any debate left that the premise of the EU project from the beginning was the destruction of national identity and national pride? Once the foreign troops were live on your soil and you're told you're not allowed to object anymore you're done is this not just though about patrolling borders um, more tightly basically more carefully oh no, no I, I, look i agree that it needs to happen as long as you have the idiotic schengen system as long as you have that uh, uh dolt in germany inviting everybody in the world who wants uh free stuff to show up then you know you got a problem with a million you know migrants many of them coming from the heart of jihad country you obviously have a problem well, but well, what, my yeah, point okay. is that if if anybody had any doubt about the eu being kind of like a a puzzle you know with a series of unique pieces that just simply fit together for the sake of convenience or you know economics no 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 there is no puzzle the pieces are erased this is one big square and all of the uniqueness of that make you know france france and italy italy they will be gone because mm. if you can't control who patrols your border and forget controlling come across your border. You're not even allowed to pick who's going to patrol your border because someone in uh, Brussels decides this is just a waiting pattern. We're just, we're waiting for the rest of the individual national characteristics and rights. I I have a recollection in the 1980s, there was a proposal that was briefly raised here about the RUC being able to cross the border to chase a terrorist. And it was dropped super fast because there was such a backlash against it here on the grounds of quite rightly on the grounds of of, uh, of sovereignty uh, but but do, but once again, do you as a squishy european do you believe in sovereignty in other words do you believe that the people of switzerland should be able to have a swiss vision of law and the rights of citizens that's different from you know yeah, italy I do. or i do you do yeah well then, then why the eu then 
because you've abandoned all that. Everything for, when an Irish guy has to get permission from Belgium about what kinds of windows and doors to have on his seaside vacation house, that something is gone to, And that's true. That is not, that, by the way, that's not a random out of my head. That's an actual specific incident of the tens of thousands of rules and regulations about your life that are made by people well, that I you got, have I got, no control over. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've got new windows on my house. I didn't need permission from Brussels. <laughs> well, ah, but were you in a were you in a coastally sensitive area? That is part of the you know broad climate change goals of blah 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 blah. You know that's the question. And uh, now that you know, the only good thing that's happened in the past two weeks is that you know joke of a uh, of a gathering in Paris signed nothing that has any enforcement whatsoever. We had this great moment when Senator when the Secretary of State John Kerry said, "Well, the enforcement is that when you emit too much carbon, we're going to send you a letter." Telling you you admitted too much carbon. Oh, there you go. And what if I ignore that letter? Well, then we'll send you another letter. Aha. Could someone bring back Hans Blix? Is it too late to bring Hans back? <laughs> okay. Hey, come here. Listen, let's move on to another story. This yeah, is smoking. Ex- let's, let's talk about smoking. Well, just before we, we talk, can we, before we talk about smoking, can I just quickly add, because I'm, I'm really interested in your view on okay. the, the, the South African guy who basically yes. was refused permission to stay in New Zealand because He's too fat. He's too fat. He's too fat. He's a big fat guy. He's a chef. And let's face it, when I go to a restaurant and I see a big fat guy behind the counter, I feel better about life. I'm yeah, you don't want to see a skinny chef. I don't want a skinny chef. I want a fat chef. Uh, but apparently he was fatter than the New Zealanders wanted for their immigrants. And New Zealand's premise is twofold. Number one, it's our country. We get to decide who comes and goes. Nobody else decides. I completely agree with that. I may think that their rules are idiotic, but who am I? To, I don't live there. I don't pay taxes there. I haven't sworn to defend those borders with my life. It's theirs. And number two, they make, I think, a reasonable connection between super fatness and the burden you're going to impose on the citizens of New Zealand. You could argue that that's kind of a little picayune. I will say that compared to the massive cost of the migrants that you guys are dealing with in Europe, who are absolutely a total drain suck on your taxes, you know, the, the fat guys, no big deal. But uh, I, I get, you know, they, they don't make, it's not an illegitimate point. It's not like they're saying, you know, we don't want left-handed people or mm. something like that. You can definitely make the case more obesity equals uh, more uh, government-subsidized medical services, I think. Okay, I, I have to pick you up on, on the immigrants thing. I mean, a drain on our, our taxes. I mean, of course, they, yeah, these they're are a massive peop- drain. Yeah, but these are—they're look, 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 also people fleeing do. for their lives in many cases. No, no, no. A may- maybe, maybe a third, and that's probably too high a number. Are people coming from the war-torn parts of Syria? Maybe a third. The other two thirds, and you even asked this. My, my favorite quote of the week was the uh, BBC had some woman on who said, "No, no, no. I'm sorry. I take back. This was last week on Georgia's show. Well, you know, 85 percent of the migrants come from uh, a." Refugees come from refugee-emitting countries. Well, yeah, that would pretty much be the way it works. Yeah, okay, okay. But, but that's, the refugee-emitting kind of countries Syria. You know, Syria is Syria. If, the, if all the migrants are coming from Syria, that would be a totally different conversation. But we know they're not. These are people who are just looking for better gigs. They're coming from Kosovo. They're coming from Turkey. They're coming from Somo- you know, Somalia. Even a few from Indonesia. They're coming because Europe has lots of stuff. They're in crappy backwater cultures that don't make a lot of stuff they want to come here and get some stuff do, do i believe that if given the training and the resources they would become productive and they would make more stuff and create more wealth oh absolutely over time but in the short run they're going to need stuff and it's not because they're evil or lazy or bad it's just because when you come from a country where you have virtually no skills to a country where you don't know the language and it's a high school country it's going to cost a lot of money to bring you okay. up to skill and by the way i want to add something before the people start screaming racist 
In the United States, in the rural part of the South where I come from, our citizens who are high school dropouts, low skill, cost our society money. They are net money consumers. It's not because they where they're born. They were born in America. They're like ninth generation mm-hmm. Americans, but they just don't have skill. And if you're a high school dropout, low skill person, you're going to cost society money. And it is ridiculous to call someone a racist for noting that fact. It doesn't matter where you come from. It matters what you can and cannot do. Okay. All right. Listen, come here. You were anxious to get on to, to smoking in cars. Well, because so- my friends in Boston have just become one in another city that have raised the age to buy a pack of cigarettes to 21. Now, you know, if it were the case that we lived in a society that said, look, you're not an adult until you're 21 and, and that therefore you can't buy beer, which you can't, and you can't buy cigarettes, which will be new in Boston, I, I, would, I would say I don't necessarily agree, but I get it. But think about what America is right now thanks to the governance of progressives. If you're a 15-year-old girl and you're pregnant and you want to get an abortion, a life you – know, this is a life and death decision – and you want to get an abortion without your parents' permission, in Boston, you can. If you're 18 and you want to get uh, married or you want a taxpayer-subsidized sex change operation, you've decided at 18 that you know that you're a woman trapped in a man's body, you can. But if you're a 20-year-old veteran of the Afghan war and you want to buy a beer and a pack of smokes, oh, I'm sorry, you can't do that. You're not mature enough. That is the insanity of the progressive world uh, in 2015. Yeah, it, uh, look, I'm not going to argue. I, I, I think that's really really silly what do you think of the smoking ban here in terms of you'll be fined if you're smoking uh, seen smoking in a car that contains uh, a child right well i'm i'm not a smoke uh, i've never smoked cigarettes i'm an occasional cigar smoker i always enjoy them the vast majority of smokers i run into are super uh, uh, aware of their surroundings, they're courteous. They don't. They know that everyone hates them. They know that. I mean, it would be easier to shut down the immigration of smokers than it would be to shut down the immigration of people from ISIS camps. And that's how badly smokers are looked upon in the world. They tend to be courteous. I see a mom in a car with the windows rolled up, and I see a kid in the back seat. Yeah, I kind of. It feels yucky. Feel. Yeah, I don't know about that. But the fact is, and there is so much science on this. There is no correlation, none, as in zero between your parents being lifelong smokers and you getting lung cancer if you don't smoke. There is no correlation. And by the way, you don't even need to read the studies to prove this. Think about how many of us grew up with in a generation in the you know, 70s and 80s when you know, almost everybody was smoking and you were with your parents all the time. And they yeah, my We did lots of things in the 70s. Like, I mean, we didn't wear seatbelts. I, mean, I mean, nobody's me, arguing that that's a good no, thing. No, no, no. Let me, let me finish. My point is, if it were the case that your parents smoking gave you cancer, then you would have a huge surge in cancer among our generation because my parents smoked like chimneys until I was like 14 and blah, blah, blah. You know. The fact is there has been a decline in cancer rates because you have to smoke to increase the risks of cancer. If you don't smoke, there is either virtually no change or no change. Are you dismissing the, the concept of passive smoking? I, I'm, I, not, I'm, I'm not an expert on this. Dis- I want to be perfectly clear here. I am completely dismissing it because there's no science to back it. Now, when you get to science about... Is there not? Uh, no, there, none, so, none. for example, like the smoking ban, if, if you were a bar worker working in a bar where there was heavy Vir- smoke the whole time... Virtually it, no. I mean, you're talking about... Tiny, tiny percentages and very inefficient studies. You know, t- it's not. For example, you smoke instantly. You know that there is a. Uh, you have increased the odds of you contracting cancer by thirty some percent. Boom! You know right away. You become a regular habitual smoker. Boom! It's going to happen. You're talking about point zero 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 margins. Nothing even close enough to go up to someone and say. And remember, what we're going to say, ma'am, I'm going to punish you 
because you smoked a cigarette with the window open with your kid in the back seat. We're going to put the government involved. We're going to fine you. And if you don't pay your fine, we're going to jail you. You're going to jail her for that? I mean, come on. If you're going to start doing that to people, then show me some science of direct connection. The science, for example, of drink driving, there's no dispute about that. The, yeah, you all right, drink okay. the higher rate of risk, but oh. the risk for secondhand smoke is so tiny. It's that it, it completely disappears. It's in the margin of error. And I challenge anybody. You can okay. find me at michaelgraham.com on that. Right, Michael. I, I've got the numbers. I got the science. Ha- happy holidays, Michael. Happy holidays to you and smoke them if you got them. Yeah.